look into chip-chat conversations in the cloud. A podcast series focused on Intel Select Solutions, a suite of verified solution configurations that can help IT teams meet the demanding needs of a growing infrastructure. Here's your host, Jake Smith. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be in the world. This is Jake Smith. Intel Director of Data Platform Technologies, and I am joined today by Michael Shulov, CEO of Fireblocks and founder of Fireblocks. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jake. Great to be here. You know, it's so incredible to have you because you're on the leading edge, the cutting edge, the front edge, whatever bleeding edge. We've heard all the terms, but you're an innovator, a pioneer, a founder of a company that's really building towards the next generation in chip level isolation and, and cryptography. Can you talk a little bit about your history as founder, how you got here? Sure. So actually I've been in the cybersecurity space for uh, over two decades, started many years ago in the Israeli Cyber Command, part of my uh, military duty back then. And about 10 years ago, I actually started my previous company, which was called Lacoon. It was focused on mobile security. Funny enough, uh, Intel was one of our first customers with our previous product and the previous company. We were basically focusing on threat detection and threat prevention for uh, mobile devices. You know, iPhones and Android devices became a fairly popular thing to use for uh, work-related activities. And in 2015, we got actually acquired by a company called Checkpoint, which for the listeners that are familiar with the security space, it's one of the biggest companies in the cybersecurity space. They invented the firewall in the beginning of the 90s. And for about three years, I was basically running their mobile cloud security portfolio. And in 2017, something quite interesting happened. Actually, as part of our capacity checkpoint, we were brought into investigating a fairly big breach that happened in South Korea, where four cryptocurrency exchanges were hacked by what eventually led to more or less the North Korean government-sponsored cyber teams. Those cyber criminals were able to steal about $200 million worth of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies with those for exchanges and you know because of our specific expertise around mobile security we were part of the investigation team over there that's a uh, quite a way to jump into building protection around the world yeah so i think like you know i mean i'm sure that a lot of the listeners uh, the podcast they have seen uh, one or two hacks in their life but you know 200 million dollars of assets that are being lost it's substantial okay it was very substantial for those financial institutions and as we started to dig more and more into the space, what we sort of realized is that cryptocurrencies and especially blockchain-based technologies are the next wave of innovation and probably more so a real transformation of finance as we know it, right? I think most of the people are familiar with Bitcoin and potentially other assets that are quite popular among consumers. But as you basically dive into the financial ecosystem and as you basically explore where banks, traditional exchanges, custodians, fintech companies, and other and payment providers, what you realize is that actually blockchain as itself, digital assets, and cryptocurrencies are sort of like you know the next wave of transformation of their business. And it's actually a transformation that is on the fundamental level of how clearing and settlement being done in financial space. And probably it, and it almost sort of like you know transforms the way that it was done for the last 500 years. 
very bold statement, Michael. Can you delve a little deeper into it? I don't think you're wrong, but I'd like our listeners to hear a little bit more about why that's so transformative. It's really multi, multi-centuries of transformation. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the way that basically clearing and settlement is being done today is based on a system that is called double booking, right? So that system was sort of invented in the 15th or 16th century in Italy, and it's basically being used today. Of course, it was computerized and uh, we're using um, fairly heavy technology to basically balance and make sure that payments are going across the world. But the method in which a payment from one account to another account is being made, whether that's a payment of US dollars or a transfer of a security like a stock or a bond, is basically done the same way for the last 500 years. And that's sort of like institutionalized even through the way that the Federal Reserve and the banks in the United States work. That is best actually being changed by the blockchain, right? So the blockchain basically moves us from this double entry system where every bank has a corresponding bank account in a different bank into a system that there is one ledger for every financial user in the system. They have a wallet on that ledger. And basically a payment or a transfer of an asset is just being moved from one account to the other, and it's actually secured and validated in a cryptographic way. And there is no way to basically make mistakes when an asset is being transferred. There is no way to basically defraud the system by essentially sending the same asset twice to two different parties. And it actually sort of like, you know, completely flattens and makes the system much more robust, cleaner, more efficient and sort of removes a lot of the overhead around reconciliation and management of the overall global ledgers. Well, and it's a wonderful way to actually create a single chain of custody so that we can always know who owned the asset at any time and who will own the asset in the future. It's interesting when you start to think about the different usages that are available in all the financial instruments that exist once you start to flatten the curve using these technologies. So talk a little bit about Fireblocks. You created this company. You've begun to transform the financial industry. How did you work with Intel and how did, in this new startup, did you decide to work with Intel? So, you know, based on our previous experience, especially around cloud security and mobile security, we were fairly familiar with the concept of trusted execution, right? And Intel was definitely one of the pioneers in that space with Intel as GX. And because of our preliminary requirements to create an extremely secure and yet scalable infrastructure for financial institutions, there were not that many solutions in the market that we could have relied our technology on, right? Because we really had to find something that is extremely secure, that can control and protect our infrastructure from both external hackers, but also clearly protect us from insiders, whether within Fireblocks or within our customers. And it also had to be fairly scalable to serve through a lot of different use cases and actually like, you know, fairly scalable from being able to deploy it in cloud and on-prem environments. Now, those really like unique requirements sort of leave you with, I would say, almost two options, right? Either you can rely on some traditional hardware technology like HSMs, right? But those have like, you know, fairly limiting factors. Or basically the new wave of doing things, which is 
way more powerful and flexible is actually to rely on a new infrastructure in the form of trusted execution. And primarily, if you want to do it in large scale in the cloud or on-prem, you know, across compute that is already available, your best choice is actually to partner and work with Impact. So that's very kind of you, Michael. I'm very honored that you would choose to work with us. Obviously, SGX is something we've been working on for many, many years. Can we talk a little bit about what it means to have Fireblocks being able to deliver this operationally efficient flat transaction model? Can you talk about this a little bit? And it would really be interesting to talk about MPC and CMP a little bit as well. Yeah. So... You know, when you sort of like boil down the problems that we solve for our customers, those are actually two distinct issues. One issue is around custody or basically storage or control of private keys that are basically the wallets that hold the asset. And the other type of issue is actually how do you transfer the asset in a secure fashion from one wallet to another, from one counterparty to another, because, you know, finance is all about the movement of those assets rather than storing them in one location or one wallet. So the first problem, which is the custody problem, is actually a really difficult problem to solve because in cryptocurrencies or digital assets, if someone controls the private key, he basically controls the asset. And if that happens to be the hacker or some insider, then essentially they can defraud or steal the funds from the system or from that account. And that was actually like translated to almost probably half of the $15 billion that were hacked in the last couple of years. So in order to deal with this problem, what we came up with is actually a multi-layer defensive depth approach where in order to secure the private key, you're actually creating multiple layers that are fairly difficult to compromise one after the other, right? So the first layer is actually to be able to split the key. So there is no single point of compromise for the private key. And for that, we're actually using a fairly new technology in cryptography that is called multi-party computation or threshold signatures, where Fireblocks actually made one of the most recent breakthroughs, which is called MPC CMP. And that basically allows us, instead of having one private key, to distribute the cryptographic material. So essentially have, you know, any N secrets that are distributed across multiple environments that in order to basically sign on a transaction, you need the participation of M out of those N. So there is basically a threshold that is required. So that's sort of like, you know, layer one that basically removes the single point of compromise. But that is itself just the first layer. And to be honest, there are still some gaps in terms of the security model around that. And the second and third layer are the layers where we partnered with Intel and we are heavily relying on Intel's Jigs is actually create a harder perimeter around each one of those individual components. So for that, basically all of our MPC cryptography and including the protocol and the key shares are basically protected in SGX. That provides both confidentiality, right? It provides the security that those cannot be leaked, not only if the hacker were able to take control over the whole infrastructure, but even if you have an insider or an admin that has access to those machines, he cannot extract the key. And there is actually another really interesting property of our capability to rely on trusted execution. Not only that the secret itself is protected, but also the algorithm, right? Because the code itself that is executing is actually pre-signed and protected. And therefore, someone who has access to this machine cannot really interfere or modify the distributed algorithm. So that's sort of like, you know, the second layer of defense. 
And the cellular error defense, which is actually even more interesting, and that's sort of like the power of using cloud computing with trusted execution, is that because of the availability of this technology, trusted execution technology, across multiple cloud providers, and generally speaking, you can leverage uh, any new inter-CPU, the trust is actually distributed between multiple cloud providers. So currently, we are, at the very least, distributing the trust in between Microsoft Azure and the IBM cloud, and also, in most cases, the premises of our customers, which eventually creates an environment that, from a physical security standpoint, is very difficult to breach because you then need a physical collusion of both employees of IBM, employees of Microsoft, and also employees of our customers, which is a fairly, fairly complicated scenario to sort of execute an attack against. So can we talk a little bit about MPC wallets and the settlement lifecycle? Yeah, sure. So part of the power of MPC wallets comes from the fact that you can, again, distribute the private key and then some of those key shares are being used to, for example, in an automated way to validate against the policy, right? So you can set policies like Michael can transfer up to a million dollars, but if he wants to transfer about one million dollars, he also needs the approval of Jack, right? So that's what we call automated key shareholders are being used. And the second part is that you can actually have sort of human operators being part of the process, right? So actually every human operator can have an uh, MPC key share attached to his user and they're actively participating in the signature, right? So I have a different key share and you have a different key share. And the beauty of MPC is that it's actually quite powerful in other operational scenarios. For example, from a private key standpoint, you can actually issue a refresh or rotate. So you can actually rotate the private key on the fly while still maintaining the same public key, you can actually restructure it, right? So if, for example, there is a new employee that is added to the company, you can actually now modify the threshold of this private key to go from, let's say, three out of four to three out of five, okay, or four out of five without changing the public key, which is extremely powerful. So that's some areas where MPC wallets are extremely powerful and very differentiated from you know, other solutions that are currently on the market. And that actually relates to the settlement lifecycle, where in a settlement lifecycle, one of the things that we need to do is to transfer an asset from one party to the other, right? So this is actually where the Fireblocks network and the secure transfer environment that Fireblocks built becomes handy. One of the most challenging things currently with blockchain and cryptocurrencies is the fact that in order for me to transfer, uh, for example, assets to you, so Jack needs to send me his public key. And there is no way to actually really secure that public key when it's being sent from point A to point B because there can be any form of man-in-the-mill attack in between. And that really complicates the operational process, right? So people would send the public key over an email and then they validate it over the phone call or video conference and they will do all kind of penny transfers to basically validate that they are sending it to the right address or to the right public key. And that just like an operational nightmare. So what Fireblocks built is actually a fairly interesting technology that sits on top of all the blockchains. So you can think about it almost like a DNS layer. If the blockchains, both public and private, are sort of like the IP layer, what we created is a bit like a DNS layer, but a secure layer for that, that sort of resolves the different parties on the network 
to their physical public blockchain addresses, but it's also because of the way that it's being built, it is secure and it guarantees to protect you against man-in-the-middle attacks. And that's actually also built on top of a communication layer that was instrumented on top of Intel SGX and actually some of the properties that we combine over there in terms of trusted execution and DLS cryptography guarantees that there cannot be any man-in-the-middle attacks, neither on the network or on the host. So even if the hosts are compromised, you still guaranteed to either send to the right address or the system will fail close. Michael, you know, one of the things that's very exciting is since you've launched, you've gotten a lot of customer traction. Can you talk a little bit about how customers are receiving Fireblocks and some of the early successes? Yeah, so since we launched the product about a year ago, we had a fairly strong response in the market. So within a year, we actually got to over 100 customers that are currently leveraging Fireblocks for their custody and transfer of their treasury operations. So over 100 financial institutions that are using us. And we actually reached incredible volumes. So from probably about $2 billion of transfers that we were doing per month a year ago, we're now actually hovering over $16 billion per month that we done during July and August. So the numbers sort of uh, keep doubling every two quarters, uh, which is driven by the adoption of our technology across the marketplace. That's outstanding. You know, I think one of the interesting things, and I'm not sure if you can disclose some of the names of some of your customers, but when you see that growth from $2 billion a month to $16 billion a month in just over a year, that's incredible. That's exponential growth that I don't even think you were counting on, were you? <laughs> to be honest, no. I don't think we were uh, sort of prepared for that growth, but I think this is actually where our experience was quite important in terms of being able to rapidly scale the company. And to be honest, it also was related to the fact that we were relying on infrastructure that allowed us to scale rapidly without you know, really sort of refactoring and getting to all kinds of scalability issues around the infrastructure. Michael, you know, I love the way you explain very simply how the transactions happen. And thank you for raising above the chip level isolation because I know we could spend a lot of time there. However, we're running out of time for our show today, and I want to be cognizant of that. But I ask all my guests this one question, and I think it's really important. I really have two questions here, Michael. The first one is, where can our listeners find out more about Fireblocks? And that's number one. And number two is, Where's the future of Fireblocks going and where does the future of cryptography and cryptographic wallets go and assets go? So you can find more about Fireblocks at fireblocks.com and uh, you can definitely reach out to us for uh, further information. Now, in terms of where we see the future of digital assets in general, they're going to be used or layered across a lot of different financial uh, instruments. So I think that the most exciting ones are actually around digital currencies. The two most probably interesting developments over there is what we call central bank digital currency. So it's basically, it's going to be digital variation or blockchain-based variation of US dollars that are issued by the central banks. That's something that we're going to see over the next couple of years being developed and replaces the way that we consume cash today. And the second one, which is actually related, is sort of private initiatives around that. For example, the Libra project that we have Facebook and about 30 other members standing behind that initiative where 
it's more like a commercial uh, money that is being issued by those entities. And also the amazing thing over there is that it's really going to disrupt the speed and the access to financial services in a way that, you know, if I want to issue a cross-border transaction today from, let's say, you know, somewhere in the Middle East into the United States, it might take us like up to three days to see the transaction being settled. Whereas with, you know, digital currency or cryptocurrency, it takes less than, you know, 15 seconds and it's extremely cheap. So I think that there is going to be a lot of promise over there because that really both disrupts the existing technologies and actually opens a lot of new and exciting use cases for people, just like, you know, a fairly global population of people that they didn't have access to those services before. Well, Michael, that is outstanding and quite insightful for the future. Obviously, we're both big fans of the future of digital asset and security technologies, and Fireblocks is off to an amazing start. I wish you the best of success, and I hope to have you back soon to talk about that success and some of the customer engagements as we're allowed. On behalf of Michael Sholov, CEO and founder of Fireblocks, my name is Jake Smith, and this has been Conversations in the Cloud. We wish you a good morning, good afternoon, and or good night, wherever you may be. Thank you.